Hello and welcome to the On-Call Consults in Less Than 10 Minute series on ENT in a Nutshell, a complement to Headmere's Online Survival Guide. I'm your host, Will Dattar, and today we're joined by Dr. Katie Van Abel, a board-certified head and neck surgeon. In this episode, we will cover tracheostomy hemorrhages. Let's jump right in. The vast majority of consults regarding tracheostomy bleeds originate from the stoma or trachea from irritation and are self-limiting. Nevertheless, more serious causes of bleeding, such as tracheonominate fistulas, must always be considered. Upon consultation, the status of bleeding as well as the volume should first be determined in cases with significant bleeding seen immediately due to the risks of serious complications. Dr. Van Abel, can you tell us about the differential diagnosis for these patients? Most commonly, this is superficial bleeding or intratracheal bleeding from chronic irritation or local trauma, granulation tissue, or suction trauma. It could be a tracheoarterial fistula, the most common of which would be a tracheoanominate fistula, or it could be related to an upper airway malignancy uh, with bleeding from the mass itself. And what are some of the risk factors for these conditions? Lack of tracheostomy education or cares or poor tracheostomy positioning or fit can be a, a major cause. Patient anticoagulation or, of course, a tracheoarterial fistula. There are several different factors that contribute to fistula, including procedural factors if the tracheostomy was placed below the third ring, patient factors such as poor patient positioning caused by neuromuscular hypotonia or kyphosis, a patient sepsis, malnutrition, or diabetes. In addition, if a patient has a stomal infection or prior irradiation or a malignancy close to the tracheostomy site, they may be at risk. And finally, patients with tracheostomy or ventilatory factors for bleeding would include someone with an overinflated tracheostomy cuff, high ventilatory pressures or poorly positioned tracheostomy tube, and patients who need long-term ventilation or high airway pressures. And what is the disease presentation for a patient with a tracheostomy hemorrhage? The majority present with minimal bloody secretions uh, around their stoma or from their suction tubing. Uh, patients could have increased vent requirements or decreased oxygenation in case of aspiration. Certainly patients with a tracheonominate fistula or tracheoarterial fistula may have a sudden episode of bright red bleeding that stops spontaneously, which would be referred to as a sentinel bleed. Note that the volume of blood is not always indicative of the presence or absence of a fistula and that these fistulas can occur early after tracheostomy tube placement, but peak incidence is around two to three weeks postoperatively. And what history do you like to take for these patients? You'd like to know what the volume of bleeding is, where the bleeding is coming from, that is, is it coming from within the trachea or around the stoma, and if the bleeding is currently active. You'd like to know the timing of the tracheostomy tube placement, the type of tracheostomy tube, and whether or not there is a cuff and whether or not that is inflated. You want to know the patient's anticoagulation status, what their vent requirements are, what IV access they have, and uh, whether they have any other active interventions such as ECMO. And what are the key supplies that you would recommend bringing to these consults? You want to make sure that you have good light. Uh, you should bring your own headlight with you if you can. You need to have good PPE. A flexible fiber optic scope would be helpful um, in order to provide a full exam. You want suctions up and available. At least two would be preferable. You'd like some band retractors or perhaps an Army Navy, a nasal speculum or tracheostomy tube spreader, a cryk hook, endotracheal tubes. Make sure you have at least a size six or, or up, um, an empty syringe, gauze, fibrillar, or surgicel silver nitrate, and some topical anesthetics such as uh, 1 to 1,000 epinephrine or tranexamic acid if available. And can you tell us about the physical exam that you perform on these patients? 
When you arrive to the patient's room, you want to take in the overall scene. You want to assess their ABCs and their vitals. You want to get a sense for the volume of bleeding and how well they're maintaining their airway. You want to perform a focused, brief head and neck exam looking for the most likely sources of bleeding. Then you want to perform your scope exam through the tracheostomy tube to the carina. And then if it's possible, meaning the patient is stable and there's not high volume bleed going on, you can pull back your tracheostomy tube over the scope to assess the mucosa above the tip of the tracheostomy tube. You could potentially retroflex your scope to look at the subglottis. And if you still do not identify the source of bleeding, you can consider replacing the tracheostomy tube and scoping from above, including from the nasal cavity to the nasopharynx, hypopharynx, um, and larynx. And what uh, labs and imaging do you order on these cases? You want to get a basic set of labs, including a CBC, BMP, and coagulation panel, unless you have an obvious and superficial source of bleeding. You may consider getting imaging, including a, a CTA, especially if you have any concern for ascensional bleed, or on your exam if you notice a proximal anterior tracheal wall erosion in the setting of ascensional bleed. And can you tell us about the acute treatment in these cases? It's important to remember that any tracheostomy bleed may be life-threatening, and it may be difficult to fully assess the severity over the phone, so make sure you see any tracheostomy to bleed quickly. For large volume bleeds, you want to call for help, and you want to call for supplies uh, on your way to the patient's room. The goal is to identify the site of the bleed, advance a cuffed tube beyond the bleed into the airway, and tamponade any bleeding until further management is possible. You should inspect around the tracheostomy at the stoma, and if you uh, suspect a tracheoarterial fistula, you can place a finger through the skin opening into the soft tissue and compress the blood vessel inferiorly by hooking your finger against the sternum. Once you have tamponaded the bleeding and secured the airway, you want to arrange for definitive treatment immediately. You may need to do this by asking a colleague to work on arranging for immediate OR or IR transfer for exploration and ligation of the bleeding artery. Once in a controlled environment, then you can consider transitioning to an oral tracheal intubation. Uh, but because you have access through the neck, I would not advise you to take out that tube and replace via an oral tracheal route unless advised by your consultant to do so. Although tracheonominate fistulas make up only 0 to 1% of all tracheostomy bleeds and 10% of severe bleeds, a true TIF can be fatal within minutes, and only 25% of patients who make it to the OR survive. While we started with large volume and severe bleeds, most other bleeds are caused by local trauma. Um, and if you provide some good education on suction depth, topical hemostasis, and perhaps some uh, local uh, hemostatic agents such as Surgicel or Fibular, uh, you should be able to control the bleed uh, at the bedside. You may need to uh, look for a different tracheostomy tube that fits the patient better, so make sure you know what tubes are available at your institution and bring several different sizes with you to your exam. At the end of repositioning your tracheostomy tube, the tube should sit in the middle of the trachea uh, on your repeat flex exam. And can you tell us about the disposition or follow-up that you recommend for these patients? If there's any concern for tracheoarterial fistula, the patient should be admitted during your workup and watched very closely by a team who is comfortable with airways. So that may differ based on your institution. If there is mild stomal bleeding uh, and you identify a source and control that source, you can cautiously consider discharge to home. And what about uh, counseling for these patients? All of these patients should be provided with tracheostomy education, including management of both stoma and their tube. 
Um, we want to make sure that patients at high risk for bleeding uh, are sent home with a backup tube and potentially consider sending them home with a backup cuffed tracheostomy tube with instructions on how to use it. We want to make sure that patients have scheduled follow-up with ENT to ensure that they have good support and cares for their tracheostomy. And if bleeding recurs, the patient should be instructed to call 911 or present to their local emergency department, inflate their cuff if they have a cuffed tracheostomy tube, or exchange for a cuffed tube if available. Great. Thank you, Dr. Van Abel. So that concludes our episode on tracheostomy hemorrhages for adult patients. Thank you for joining us. 